Hello and welcome to another episode of this new season of Executive Learning Rewired, the podcast that talks about some of the biggest challenges faced by HR and learning development professionals. I'm your host, Tiago Kivi, and today our topic is conscious leadership. To talk to me and to explore this topic, uh, I have here a very special guest, uh, Marika Messenger. Marika, welcome and thanks for being here. Thank you. Marika, uh, I understand that you are an executive consultant, a mentor, and the founder of your own consultancy, ConsciousLeadership.org. But I understand that your career started in a completely different way, writing financial services. So before we get into the subject of uh, conscious leadership, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself? Where did you grow up and how you ended up in this field? Sure, with pleasure. Yeah. So I am French. I was born and raised in Paris. Uh, I lived and worked in various places in the world. So I, I lived in New York, I lived in Madrid, and, and I've been in London for 14 years. Uh, I started working in the financial services industry when I was 22 in Paris as a sell-side analyst on the equity markets. And then I moved to an equity sales role. Uh, then I had my own desk, and then I ended up being head of equities for EMEA, so Europe and Middle East for New Edge, which uh, now belongs to Société Générale. So a French brokerage house. Uh, I was quite successful quite quickly. At 31, I was one of the major uh, revenue producers of my trading floor in Paris. And I was promoted as head of equities at 34. It was a great adventure. And, uh, you know, as I always look to grow and to find what's the next step, when I was 36, I was thinking, what, what's my next step? What's the, the next rung on the ladder? And it was quite a obviously a global head of equities, which at the time I was like, I'm not sure about this. It's going to be um, more travel, although I love traveling. I'm not sure I want to go to New York or, you know, Asia twice a month or, or four times a month. Uh, and it's going to be more compliance and more regulations mm. uh, and less business. Mm. And the industry was obviously, you know, changing and there was more and more compliance and regulation. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I started to lose my drive. I started to lose my purpose. So... On the other side, I've been working on myself since I'm 28. I'm going to be 46 in a month. So it's been quite some time. And when I was uh, 28, I had a family crisis, which forced me into, you know, self-work and self-development. Mm. But when I had this massive reflection at 36 about the next rung on the ladder, I already had some tools to know how to, you know, go through this transition and how to work on myself and support myself through these transitions. And thank God, um, because I was able to um, take a leap of faith and actually dare to leave finance and to, you know, go on to this new venture, which was around self-development, uh, leadership, um, emotional mastery. At the time, I didn't really know what it was going to look like. I had done 10 years of therapy on myself. I had, you know, worked with very different practitioners on very different topics. Um, and I was already at the time very interested into um, shamanic activities and, you know, how basically Native Americans understand that we need to work on the physical, mental and emotional bodies. So that's all I knew at the time. I also knew that coaching would allow me to bring with me my business past, my, my career and you know, all the skills I had developed, mm. uh, but also allow me to create my own way to work with people. Mm. Because let's face it, there are as many coaching practices and ways to coach as there are coaches. 
so the openness of the industry was for me an opportunity. In July 2013, um, I was doing uh, a training. They, they call it a shamanic initiation. So I was in the Brazilian rainforest for a month. Uh, and I was initiated into a lineage of, um, you know, Mexican healers, even though it was in the Brazilian rainforest. Uh, it was very intense. It was very tough from 6 a.m. to, you know, 11 p.m. Uh, and one day, which is really what I like about, you know, shamanism is that they create transformative experiences where you kind of, you know, sh release the old you and embrace the new you. Uh, and one day they had us uh, break some wooden boards with our hands. And at this time, so I... Like, like uh, karate key exactly. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have two bricks and, and a, a piece of quite, you know, thick wooden board and you have to break it with your hands. <laughs> and how, how, did, how did you do that? Did, well, did that, do that? Yeah. I did it. Yeah. But, but, you know, that, that's how conscious leadership was born. Mm -hmm. um, so at this time, you know, I, I was... I was you know, 30, 37, 38, and I had achieved a lot in the financial industry. I had, you know, some kind of good level of success, and I also had done a lot of work on myself. So I was a bit arrogant in the way I was approaching things. You know, I was like, I have to be strong, and, you know, I know I can do this, I know I can't do this. So it was really about, you know, kind of strengths ego strengths that I wanted to display. But when we had this exercise, I was like, oh, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do this. Mm. And so I tried once and it didn't work. Mm. Uh, and you have to understand that the people around me, most of them were managing to do it. I was like, oh. Uh, and then the teacher had me try a second time. And I tried again and I didn't. it didn't work and I, and I managed to kind of hurt my hand. Mm. Um, and then my whole body started to shake and I started to cry, which is really, you know, not me. Uh, as a woman on the financial markets, you quickly learn that, you know, cry is not, crying is not a good thing. Mm. Uh, so you really learn, learn to master your emotions. Mm. So I was, you know, surprised by what, has, what, what was happening to me, but I went through it. And then the third time the teacher called me again and I managed to break the wooden board. And there was, uh, you know, somebody who was in the training with me who was an older woman that I had a lot of respect for. And she came to me that day and she said to me, Marika, I will follow you everywhere and anywhere. And I was like, really? Like the day I break down, the day I, you know, I'm, I'm in complete tears. It's the day you really see the leader in me. I need to reflect on this because, you know, it's coming against everything I thought to be true about leadership before. And this is really the day where I realized that actually leadership is not being about being strong or about dominating or being competitive, but it's more about who you truly are mm. and who you are when the going gets tough. Mm. And if you're able to show that to people and, and to kind of, you know, from a place of vulnerability, still find some strength and mm. still inspire people and lead them to a better place, mm. that's true leadership and that's conscious leadership. Wow. <laughs> and that gives us a little bit a little bit of an introduction on the topic of actual conscious leadership right so what is it really and um why is it important from your point of view yeah so conscious leadership um is a way of life mm. right so it's a, it's a philosophy and a way of life and it's based on truth and authenticity right so it's a, it's a way of life where each individual is living in connection with who they truly are mm. so they are embodying their essence and they are living a life in integrity with their authentic self so it means that they have already peeled away 
all the programming about what society tells you success is. Of course, you know, society, culture, religion, uh, they kind of describe success in a certain way for us. But I can tell you that what they describe as success is if you get to that place, you're not happy. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's really being able to create a success that is going to make you happy and that is going to make you fulfilling by living in alignment with who you truly are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we go higher to the vision and the mission, um, you know, we truly believe at ConsciousLeadership.org that uh, if every human being on this planet accesses that new paradigm of conscious leadership and lives in alignment with their truth and therefore creates a success that makes them fulfilled uh, and joyful, and they make a stand for what they believe in, then they will also, uh, you know, become leaders that will have a positive impact on their community, on their organization, and ultimately on the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, why, how, how is conscious leadership different from a more traditional leadership style? Yeah. Especially the leadership styles that you've experienced personally as well. How, how is that different? You, yeah. you gave already some ideas, but... Yeah. So so let's talk about the old paradigm of leadership and the new paradigm of leadership, which right. for me is conscious leadership, right? Mm. Um, so in the old paradigm of leadership, it's based on competition, it's based on domination, it's mm. based on ego, and the measurables of success are money and power. Right. Right? Uh, in the new paradigm of conscious leadership, it's based on collaboration, on co-creation, on compassion. And success is based on three pillars that stand at exactly the same level. We have financial success, inner peace, and making a contribution. Mm. Mm -hmm. So in other words, you want to be successful and create this financial success and independence for yourself, but not at the cost of your inner peace. Mm. And you also understand that in order to create a success that is truly fulfilling, it needs to be purposeful. Mm -hmm. So it needs to allow you to contribute in one way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. And when I mean contribution, I don't mean necessarily, you know, giving money to a charity. I really mean with your authentic self and with your own skills and position and role, mm -hmm. how can you do something that is going to serve? Right, right, right. Understood, understood. And you mentioned two very interesting words which um i just get your your views on that you first you mentioned ego yeah then you mentioned your true self can you tell us the difference between between the two things because it can you know there there are there are somewhat similar but they are also extremely different right the two very different things so Exactly. Yeah. What is an ego? What is your ego? What is your true self? Yeah, sure. So your yeah. ego is the, the part of you. First, um, let me say these things. For a lot of people, they associate ego as uh, the willingness to show off, right? So I have a, a big house or I have a big car uh, and this can be associated as ego. It's, it's a dimension of it, but there is much more to the concept of ego, right? So if we dive deeper into that, ego is this part within you that is resistant to change. Mm. So the part of you that actually wants you to stay the same because it wants you to mm. stay safe mm. so it's that little voice inside of you that you know challenges you makes you doubt because the ego doesn't want you to grow he doesn't want you to expand he or she right yeah. um so um it's it's really a resistance to change and the ego has many tricks to keep you small many narratives many excuses so it's really you know the best way to observe it is 
is that voice inside of me creating expansion or contraction? Hmm. Whenever it's contraction, whenever it's resistance, hmm. it's mostly coming from a place of ego. When it's a place of expansion, it's coming from your true self. Mm -hmm. Any examples can we, we think of, for example? Is it like if we have someone who's a senior guy who, I don't know, who decides to put himself out there to learn something completely new? Yeah. Is that your true self speaking or because... I don't know, you know, for example, this is the third podcast that I'm recording. So our listeners have to be very, very patient with me. <laughs> I've never done it before. <laughs> but, so, but, you know, I believe you know, I'm learning yeah. as, I, as I'm doing this, right? I believe this is something that, to me at least, is like a, a way to to evolve and to grow as as my true self yeah yeah not so much as my my egoistic self was saying oh this is probably not something i should be doing because i don't know anything about it and yeah. and there are perhaps other people in the team who could do it or or whatever you know so i don't know do you have any but this is a great examples? example yeah. right uh, you are you are completely displaying the difference between the true self and the ego and you are being honest and vulnerable and you're saying you know it's my third podcast mm -hmm. i'm learning i but i i'm daring to do it because it feels like you know i have something to contribute it's also exciting for me and uh, and this is what i want to explore right so you are going you know you're tapping into we can call that some form of purpose of yours mm -hmm. uh, and you're going for it so this is your true self mm -hmm. and your ego is not holding you back even though you recognize the voice yeah. of the ego which would be you don't know anything about this there are probably somebody in the team who could be more qualified yeah. but you're consciously choosing not to listen to that voice mm. and kind of doing it anyway and uh, how do you usually work with your with your client i just want to come back to the ego thing right. before yes, we go please. there yeah. okay. <laughs> that's okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so also one way to recognize your ego is how much are you being honest and how much are you are you hiding mm. so the ego tends to hide or to create stories where we um, hide our weaknesses, we hide uh, our mistakes, and the true self is completely open and vulnerable and is okay to be saying, you know, it's my third time, but I'm doing it anyway. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that creates what? Connection. Yeah. Emotional connection. Because now, you know, it's like, okay, this person is just being truthful. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so you can relax as well, <laughs> which is good. Uh, okay, so I'm going to ask the, the, the question again. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Sorry. Um, so how do you usually work with your clients? And, you know, particularly, you know, if you work in a group, for example, how what kind of methodology do you use to bring the, the best of them out? Yeah. So um, first, I want to share that uh, whatever work we do, whether it's with individuals or groups or organizations, we always work on the four bodies. So the physical, the mental, the emotional and the spiritual bodies, mm. because this is the transformation of all, of all those bodies that is going to create the elevation and the transformation of the leader. Mm -hmm. um, so when we work with, I mean, we have loads of different programs, they are very structured and they have um, a journey to them. So, you know, we are very mindful of the transformation that we do create in our programs. And I strongly believe that, you know, I, I embody the three roles of the teacher, the coach and the mentor. 
So the teacher is someone who is going to educate you on some specific topics because, you know, that teacher has, has some specific knowledge on those topics. Mm -hmm. The mentor is somebody who has done where you, who has been or achieved what you want to achieve before. So in other words, that person knows the way and is going to show you the way and, you know, avoid you making mistakes or having delays uh, and showing you the right steps to take. Mm -hmm. And the coach is somebody who is going to hold a space, a safe space for you so that you can transform and connect with your authentic self. Mm -hmm. So the coach doesn't need to have any industry experience um, or, you know, doesn't even need to be a teacher, right? Mm -hmm. um, in a consciousleadership.org, we really believe that the three are required. Mm -hmm. So in everything we do, we teach. Uh, so we teach, we educate people on some very specific topics, such as, you know, how to navigate conflicts, how to have difficult conversations, how to have stronger boundaries, how to develop emotional agility, how to develop spiritual intelligence. So those are very specific mm -hmm. topics that we have chosen uh, in the, in the you know, as part of our curriculum. So we teach and then we also create transformation mm -hmm. by helping people um, integrate those topics and, and do the work on themselves, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then we have some group mentoring calls or so in some individual uh, sessions where we make sure that this transformation is fully integrated and embodied, mm -hmm. right? Because transformation needs to be embodied. You need to actually take action and mm -hmm. make some changes. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the pitfalls I see with, you know, um, some other coaching disciplines where it's all about talking, but there is no implementing. Mm -hmm. We are big on results and therefore we make sure that the changes are being implemented. And that's giving us an opportunity to realign, redirect and for people to really understand mm. what it means to change and experience the benefits of change. Right. Understood. Uh, can I go back one step? And you mentioned the four different bodies. Yeah. What are they again? And I mean... Can you go a little bit deeper into each one of them? Sure. So <laughs> we have the physical body, which, yeah. you know, is uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> this kind of, of matter of ours, right? Mm -hmm. um, which we need to take care of uh, yeah. so that the mental, the emotional and the spiritual bodies also function in harmony. So the mental body is the mind. So it's the place of our thoughts, of our thinking. Um, and, you know, a lot of people talk about mental health these days. Uh, obviously, it's great that there is more awareness, but one of the things that that's missing in that is the understanding that we also have an emotional body, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And the emotional body in certain uh, traditions is even called a pain body mm -hmm. because this is the place of suffering. This is when we feel sad, when we feel angry, when we feel ashamed, when we feel guilty. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us have lost the ability to feel our emotions. Mm -hmm. And especially, you know, in high-flying uh, jobs and the corporate mm -hmm. industry, uh, as I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, as a woman on the trading floor, you don't cry, otherwise you're just committing suicide, you know? Um, so I, we have a lot of clients who are, you know, kind of cut and disconnected from their heart and from their gut, which is the intuition. So a lot of the work is to really, you know, support people to feel again and to dare to, dare to feel, not to be scared of their emotions. So that on, after they can develop emotional agility, and ultimately they can make decisions based on their emotions and their intuition. And I can tell you that if you have this ability, you will feel your way into decisions, but you will be able to make decisions much quicker. Mm. 
So the risk of focusing only on the mental health and the mental body is that we can get lost into our mental loops, overthinking, overanalyzing, yeah. uh, and never taking action, right? Because at some point when we make a decision, you know, there are some pros and cons to every decision. Yes. Yeah. So if you don't use your heart and your gut to support your head, you might just stay in the kind of um, indecision roundabout. Right. Mm. Which I see a lot of people stuck into. And, and you know, one of the advice that we give when we see people stuck on this indecision roundabout is just take one exit, whatever one, because you, you want to get yourself unstuck more than anything else, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Once the momentum is going, you can still readjust, realign, redirect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, finally, yeah. sorry, we have the spiritual body. Yes, please. So the spiritual body is, is probably the body that is, um, you know, less known or less um, accepted, maybe. Uh, and how do I define the spiritual body? For me, it's our connection with our soul. So what is that? It's really, um, what is my purpose? What am I here for? Mm. Uh, so it's connecting ourselves with our bigger why, which again is extremely important because it's what drives ultimately true passion, true drive is why we do things. So the more we are connected with that, mm. the more we are going to be willing to get up and go and make things happen. And the more we are going to be fulfilled by our actions and by our, you know, um, results and outcomes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. And I guess, I mean, the last couple of years have been quite tough, right? Especially for, you know, companies, for individuals, for executives of all levels. Have you noticed any particular change in the kind of um, problems that people come up to you with, you know, uh, since the lockdowns? Have anything really uh, stand out? Has anything stood out to you? Really? Yeah, definitely. So um, I can see that people are more and more longing to um, do something that means something to them. Right. Mm -hmm. So there is there is really a willingness for meaning, a longing for meaning that has really increased over the past two years. Um, and also people are not really willing anymore to find themselves into situations or, you know, work environments that um, are not. Um, I don't know what I'm going to say here. <laughs> Fulfilling, maybe? Yeah. So um, I would say people are, are, are much more conscious about their relationship with their work mm. and how it has a positive or negative impact on themselves, on their family, on their communities, right? Mm. So mm. there is a stronger consciousness of you know, how I think, how I feel, mm. and, 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 you know, what work brings me or doesn't bring me. Um, I would say that for me, it's a gift because over the last two years, people have been faced to be with themselves, to, you know, feel emotions that probably they had been numbing or pushed away for a very long time. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, kind of quite intense emotions. And so this is really self-work. It's called shadow work in therapy, mm. right? Mm. It's connecting with those parts of ourselves where we are not, that we're not comfortable with. And, and by, you know, being forced to do that, they are really been kind of um, been forced to look at the things that were working and the things that were not working in their lives mm. and to question that. Mm. Mm. And also because, you know, 
all the kind of rigid structures when it comes to the way we work have been more or less destroyed, right? We had to find new ways to work. So this has created a lot of possibilities, right? Uh, a lot of people who are resistant to Zoom calls or, you know, remote work uh, have had to embrace it. But not only that, we've been able to see that remote working or online working works, delivers results. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So once the results are there, there is a possibility to continue working like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's allowed people also, and I would say the more conscious one, to step into this creator within them and be like, okay, what do I want my love, my life to look like? Mm. What do I want my work life to look like? So we see a lot of people who don't really want to come back to the office, uh, who don't want to commute anymore, uh, who, do, who realize that, you know, coming to the office means spending a lot of money on, on commuting, on, you know, eating and all of that, and that they'd rather have less money but work from home. Um, sometimes we have the opposite. Yeah. Everybody's kind of thinking what is really what what works for me mm -hmm, mm -hmm. absolutely yeah and we see that uh, a lot of our clients are, are having to deal with this question of hybrid work what is the best format what is the best uh, structure you know so uh, yeah i mean absolutely this is uh, an issue of today uh and i guess what i wanted to know from you is like from a conscious leadership point of view or just a generic you know general leadership point of view what do you think it takes to continue performing well under these these pressures you know what what does it take to continue being true to yourself you know despite all these challenges and still delivering results for 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 your business because at the end of the day we still have to right <laughs> definitely yeah um so you know we, we've been living in a in a world that is called vuca which is volatile mm. uncertain complex and ambiguous right mm. and we've been living in this world for crimes quite some time already uh the pandemic has amplified all of that uh, but it's been some time already that we've had to adapt the way we work the way we live if we want to function if we want to perform we're always on uh you know we always are checking emails um you know notifications social media everything so so, you know, we are stimulated all the time mm. and we really need to take more care of ourselves so that we function well in that new world. Mm. So that's very important. Right. And it's not, you know, a lot of the things we say to our clients, it's not because we are not good enough that we need to take care more of ourselves in this environment. It's because the environment has changed. So we need to adapt as a species in order to keep functioning and performing in that environment. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is where consciousness and self awareness is extremely important because we need to, uh, if you want to stay relevant, being conscious and being a conscious leader today is, you know, fully required, right? Um, so if we look at, at the evolution of leadership over the last three years, I would say that, um, you know, in 2021, as you know, the, the, the world started to go into the first confinement, mm. Mm. The, the skills that were needed, um, you know, in order to um, start and, and succeed in this first phase of, of the lockdown, um, and I'm saying tw it's 2020 actually, right, yeah. was the ability to be agile. Right. So the ability to pivot and yeah. to be like, OK, so I can't do this this way anymore or that business opportunity is now dead. What do I need to do? How do I need to pivot my career or my business in order to stay alive and in order to potentially thrive? Right. Mm -hmm. So this was uh, like the, the, ag the agility, the fastness of pivoting was what, what was was 
what was what required. Mm. Uh, there was been a, a very interesting study at the, uh, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic um, done on a group of entrepreneurs and, you know, who was reacting how to the mm. pandemic and the first three months of the pandemic. Oh, yeah. mm. And so some leaders were going into fully kind of defensive mode and anxiety and fear. Uh, there was another group who was able to manage and to kind of continue to, um, you know, um, steer the wheel of the business. But there was a, a third group that actually were able at the, in, at the beginning of the pandemic to seize opportunities, mm. to pivot their business, to create new products, to hire other people that were available. Mm. And what was very interesting is that those leaders, and we're talking about, you know, CEOs who had like, you know, um, business in with big revenues, let's say between 100 million to mm. a billion, right? Mm. Those guys who were able to actually pivot and be agile, they all had a daily meditative practice. Wow, that's interesting. So is there a study connecting the two things then? Exactly, yeah. right? And, and because they had that, they were able not to go into fear mm. mode. They were able to master their emotions and they were able to think straight on their feet and therefore mm. take relevant actions. Mm. Mm. So this was 2020. Mm. I would say in 2021, as we enter the third lockdown, uh, you know, in Europe, yeah, mostly, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was really resilience that was required, right? Uh, it was it was a painful keep moment. Go, keep going. Exactly. Yes. People yeah. were tired. Yeah. Uh, it was, the, you know, the middle of the winter. In London, it's dark at four. Yeah. Um, so it was really resili resilience that was required and discernment, right? Mm. Keep doing the, the, keep making the right decisions and really keeping it together for the self and the team. Mm -hmm. So that was what was required. Mm -hmm. And now as we go into 2022, mm -hmm. I see that, you know, the great leaders are going to be the ones who are visionaries, mm -hmm. who will be able to actually put all the fallen pieces together mm -hmm. and rebirth a new paradigm that is both inclusive and congruent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There is here a massive opportunity to form businesses that are sustainable. And, you know, where there is a moral obligation, uh, where human dignity is actually fundamental over money, growth and business. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what we see is that this new paradigm is also going to support those leaders and those businesses claim or, you know, continue to stay in their market leadership because there has been a massive awakening of the consumers. Mm. And now what they want in terms of products or services is, you know, conscious products. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we see a lot of that happening as well with, with our clients. You know, we are helping them to understand this new wave, you know, to support consumers and employees as well. Yeah. Employees are a lot more conscious about the values of the company, the how they contribute to the world, how are they, you know, contributing to, the, to protecting the environment. So um, we've published recently a column on our On Purpose column. Um, and... Uh, you know, the columnist really talks about the three waves of purpose, which is the consumers, the employees, and of course, there's the markets as well, yeah. which you can't forget. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, yeah, it's interesting. And of course, all leaders need to be able to navigate that as well. Yeah. Uh, what I wanted to just keep exploring on the, on the topic of pandemic and mental health and the challenges that we've had, is really just trying to understand a little bit more, what is it that me or, or what is it that everyone is missing when it comes to understanding how the mind really works and how to maintain that level of mental health and well-being how uh, what is it that really people need to know about it yeah yeah um so you know what what is a a, a good functioning mind 
Mm. It's a mind that is clear, right? Mm. So, so mm. The, 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 the most beautiful outcome of a good functioning mind is having clarity, right? clarity of thoughts, right? Mm. And the worst is, you know, being caught in those loops of overthinking, overanalyzing, and kind of, you know, losing our sleep mm. on decisions, mm. thinking about the past, being too much into the future, being anxious about the future. So presence and being in the present is very important when it comes to mental health. Mm. And that's also an emotional health topic, right? Mm. Because it's only when the mind and the, and the heart are, are connected that we can be fully present. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, mental health, as I said, is great, but we can't only see that mm. we need to understand that you know mental health is connected is of course our thoughts but our emotions are also involved right mm -hmm. thoughts and emotions are extremely connected so my thoughts can generate emotions but also the emotions that i have can have my mind creating thoughts mm. And so what we want to be doing is really master our thoughts and our emotions so that we keep ourselves thinking positive thoughts. And when I say positive thoughts, you know, I don't mean like positive thinking without yeah. uh, bypassing the reality, right? But um, thought mastery is actually the ability to observe our mm. thoughts mm -hmm. and then choose the thoughts that we want to choose. Mm. So in other words, we are not on autopilot our mind is not running the show. We have the ability to observe and to control our thoughts. That requires consciousness because it requires for us to have the ability to observe our thoughts, right? It's like the sky. I'll give you a metaphor, for instance. Um, so the sky is there. It's always going to be there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes some clouds are in the sky, but they're just passing. Yeah. They are yeah. not the sky. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. do not define the sky. Yeah. It's the same with a thought. Yeah. So our mind is the sky and a thought is a cloud or a ray of sunshine. Yeah. And so we have to see it for what it is. Yeah. We are not our thoughts. And that's, uh, you know, one of the biggest teachings of consciousness. Mm. It's like we are not our thoughts. We are not our emotions. And therefore, I can distance myself from my thoughts and therefore mm. I can change my thoughts. Mm. 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 That's very powerful. That's very <laughs> powerful um, analogy. Um, and usually what are the big kind of misconceptions that people have when it comes to mental health and well-being or mindfulness in general? You know, what is it that people think is the right thing to do? And, and yeah. completely the wrong thing. So, you know, I I mean, I've been teaching mindfulness for a very long time and we have loads of guided meditations. And, and the first question is always the same. It's like, I'm never going to manage to think about nothing. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's that's the biggest, you know, misconceptions around mindfulness is that you have to think about nothing. Yeah, it's not that right. Nobody can think about nothing forever. Right. <laughs> so um, what is really mindfulness, as I said, is the ability to observe. So it's the ability to create space between me and my thoughts. And therefore, I can almost tag my thoughts and be like, oh, OK, this one is a uh, it's not such a pleasant thought. Uh, this one, yeah, that's a, that's a, okay, let's entertain this one. Yeah. Um, this one doesn't bring me anything. Or this one is just, oh, I don't want to think about my boss anymore. Not tonight, <laughs> right? Or yeah. I don't want to think about that problem anymore. Yeah. Let's yeah. put it in a box, right? Yeah. So it's the ability to actually make some space within our minds. But because we are observing our thoughts. Mm -hmm. oh, there is another analogy, which I love. It's like, you know, on our phones, we have the ability to uh, close our eyes apps yeah 
right? So it's a bit the same. It's like, oh, okay, I'm going to close that app. I'm going to close that app. I'm going to close that app, right? I don't want to think about this. So I'm going to give myself a breather so that my mind can rest. Mm -hmm. It's really that, right? And so when we choose to, you know, close some specific apps or tabs into our mind, we create space. Mm. And when we create space, we can really see what's there and, and then bring something that we want to think about, but from a place of calmness, from a place of peace, from a place of creativity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So mindfulness is really a tool as well to mm. access our creative self mm -hmm. and to innovate and to tap into, you know, mm. that creativity within mm. us. Okay. Okay. Understood. <laughs> and I guess in the same line of question, but, um, more fo more focusing on kind of the corporate environment we've seen a lot of companies now really supporting their employees you know offering you know many perks or uh, benefits related to mental health um from what have you seen what are they getting right and what are they getting wrong when it comes to come come to these initiatives to mental health initiatives yeah well, first, I think it's great that it's happening. Yeah. Uh, and more and more employees actually are asking when they join a company, you mm. know, how how do you support us? Uh, so, so that's a great step. Mm. Um, so what I see is that uh, some companies are going to offer some, you know, mindfulness teachings or, or, or training. Some companies are going to offer some yoga classes. Mm. Some companies are potentially going to offer some, uh, you know, coaching or trainings. Um, this is all great. Um, the problem is most people who are going to be really benefiting from that are people who already have a practice. And they already know the benefits and what it what it gives them, mm -hmm. right? So um, for the people to really engage with those practices, mm -hmm. uh, it, it needs to be um, more of a of a guided, uh, I would say, experience. Right. Um, and and maybe um, for us, you know, with our programs, we we have everything all together, and mm -hmm. it's a constant education and reinforcement of what it does for you, why you want to be doing it. So the kind of big why and outcomes and supporting people to actually engage in those programs mm -hmm. is very important. Mm -hmm. And so you know, I see a lot of companies who are offering, which is great, but a lot of times people are not. They are happy that it's there. But, mm. you know, the kind of action taking and um, but, uh, implementation of the offer is, mm. is what's missing sometimes. Mm -hmm. And perhaps even the people who need it the most, they, they are the ones who are not even going for it, right? Because they don't even have the, yet the awareness of the importance. Exactly. Right? Because there is still a lot of kind of um, well, taboo around mental health, yeah. right? You know, even, you know, looking perhaps a, a generation... Before mine, you know, people would still see that in very, in very different ways, right? And uh, just asking for help sometimes is yeah. is a big thing, and uh, they don't even consider. For sure, right? and and you know, um, I go to the states a lot because the coaching business there is mm. extremely developed, and I can tell you that in the states, for high performing uh, entrepreneurs and senior executives, if you don't have a coach, you're considered stupid. Because mm. they they take this as you know a full uh, you know understanding of of how to perform better. Mm. They know that they need to support ourselves uh, with with a coach, with a mentor, with mm. a teacher in order to perform. Uh, in Europe, we're not there yet. No. Um, I would say in the UK, it's. Um, 
I'm French, I can tell you in France, um, it, there is still uh, some form of belief that you need to be sick in order to ask for help. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not, you know, the mindset of actually I'm going to support myself, feel better and get, perform yeah. better. I don't need to be in a bad place. Actually, mm -hmm. I just want to, you know, level up and honor my potential. Mm -hmm. um, it's starting to, to come. In the UK, it's much more present than mm -hmm. it is in France. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there are still, there is a lot of education that still mm -hmm. needs to happen. Right. Very, very, very interesting. Um, now, how about you? How do you personally really apply all this experience, you know, all your knowledge um, in your life and in your business? Yeah. <laughs> Good question. So, sorry, I want to add something. <laughs> Can yeah, I add something? Yeah, yeah. So, I want to add something around mindfulness. Yeah. Um, there is also a, a big misconception around mindfulness, which mm. is, uh, I will do that when I will have the time. Mm -hmm. And the more busy we get and the more deadlines we have, uh, you know, the less time we make for those things. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the big teachings that we, we have is that actually it's when you don't have time to meditate that you should meditate the most. Mm -hmm. Because if you actually take that time of self-care or making sure that you are in a place of clarity and presence, you're going to be much more efficient. Mm -hmm. So taking this time to actually honor Mm. Your capability to perform better is going to, you know, make you feel much better, but also make you perform much better. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. a big mindset shift that we invite people to experiment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've asked hundreds of clients, give me a week where mm -hmm. you're fully busy. And in that week, take 15 minutes every day to meditate every morning. And at the end of the week, we see how the week has been in terms of how you feel and how you've performed. Mm -hmm. And all of them have said, it's incredible. <laughs> and um, I mean, just for someone who's listening to this and interested to start meditating, how would you even start? Yeah, so the most simple thing is to actually focus on your breath. The breath is always with us. It's free. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a very simple meditation is called the four count breath. It's inspired by uh, the army. And, mm -hmm. and it's really like counting your breath. So inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. And do that for one minute, right? And just it's just one minute, mm -hmm. but it's going to bring your focus to yourself, to your body, to your breath. And this is going to calm your mind mm -hmm. and it's going to create space. And mm -hmm. also, if you're stressed or if you're triggered, it's going to help your physical body uh, come to a place of balance. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. when we are triggered, you know, there are loads of physiological consequences. The heart beats faster. Mm -hmm. The brain is less irrigated. Our breath is shorter. Mm -hmm. And we, we are in fight mode. We can't make a decision in those mm -hmm. places. Mm -hmm. So we have to calm ourselves back. Mm -hmm. We have some free meditations on our website as well. So feel free to go and check that out. <laughs> Good. And uh, yeah, I've tried uh, a few apps as well. I think well, my, what is it called? Um, I forgot the name of the app. Um, but anyway, there there are some apps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are, I mean, uh, there's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, just going back to, to, to you and your daily practice as well. So how do you as a person really apply all your experience really to ensure that you're just not in the survival mode, but also thriving really mm. at the things that you do? Yeah. So one of the main things that I really uh, work on and that really helps me is to be very connected to my wife. Mm. 
So knowing, uh, embodying and embracing the vision of consciousleadership.org, the mission, and knowing that there is a strong purpose to that. So that really takes the focus outside of myself and, you know, really helps me actually understand the contribution that I can make. So my why and the reason why I do things are amplified because there is a positive purpose behind it. Mm -hmm. So that's really helpful, you know, when you have a, you have a shitty day mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, things go wrong and you have a problem with your team and you have a problem with a client and, you know, the tech goes wrong. Actually, when like, why am I doing this? That's that's very helpful. So mm -hmm. that's one thing. Uh, then, you know, I've been working on myself for many years now, almost two decades. So I have a very big toolbox mm. uh, of, you know, tools that I can use depending on what happens and the situation and how it affects me and how I am triggered. Mm. So I have a very strong yoga practice. I practice yoga every morning. Even if it's 10 minutes, I go on my mat, even if I don't have much time. Um, that's really helping. I also meditate every morning for at least five minutes. And the way I see it is that, you know, if I can do more, great. If I can only do five minutes, I will do that. And that keeps me in the discipline of, of doing it and reaping the rewards. Mm -hmm. um, you know, discipline is freedom because then it's done. You don't have to think about it. You don't mm -hmm. have to blame yourself because you haven't done it. You have done this for yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, I also um, use nature a lot. So mm -hmm. I can go and walk for, go for a walk in the park. I can listen to music. Mm -hmm. uh, I can do other types of exercise. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, really knowing what works for you and mm -hmm. how do you support yourself em emotionally and mentally um, is through experiencing and be like, okay, that works for me, but that doesn't mm -hmm. work for me. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Yoga is not for everyone. Meditation could be for everyone, but you know, some mm -hmm. people need to find their own way to meditate. Mm -hmm. So it's really finding, creating your own toolbox. Mm -hmm. I also take a lot of time reflecting throughout my day. Um, and, you know, I remember uh, working with a consultant many, many years ago. And, um, you know, when you work as a lawyer or as a consultant, you bill your hours. Uh, and this woman, she had decided that in her day from two to four, she was not going to have any billable hours. She was going to take some time to reflect on her morning and prepare her afternoon. And she was working for a big consultancy firm. And they accept that because they understood that it was going to make her more performant mm. for the hours that she was going to bill. And eventually she raised her hours. She raised the price for her hours, right? Wow. So taking that time, that space, not to be always doing, but to be, mm. be with yourself, you mm -hmm. know, clear your mind, feel your emotions, kind of process mm. uh, is very important. So that's also um, something I do. Uh, another thing I do and is radical truth. Um, I am very big on, you know, having open and honest conversations and uh, really seeing, seeing things as, as they are and not hiding uh, or not, um, you know, create stories, but really have those conversations that are clear, honest and authentic. So then, you know, we, we kind of connect emotionally, but also mm. we avoid wasting a lot of time. Uh, in organization, there is a lot of time that's wasted in hiding, mm. hiding mistakes, um, you know, throwing the hot potato to someone else. Mm. Uh, and that that has a cost. There is actually some data that says that between 6 to 12% of revenue of the top line um, is destroyed by the cost of hiding. Wow. Yeah. That's that's a lot. It's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, and um, how, how, what kind of advice would you give to people who are looking to create better habits? That's a good question. <laughs> um, 
So I would say start with something that's achievable. Mm. Right. Uh, I see a lot of people, especially the New Year resolutions. Right. Oh, I'm going to do I'm going to go to the gym five days a week. Mm. Um, don't put yourself in a situation where you are going to fail. Mm. That's super important. Right. Because healthy habits are something that are there to make us feel better about ourselves, mm. to accept ourselves, eventually to love ourselves. Right. So um, create a situation that is feasible and that you know you can be successful at it. That's very important, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then, um, you know, I would say set yourself some goals and um, do it. It's true, you know, I, I, when I did my integral coaching training many years ago, we had to meditate every day for 30 minutes. Mm. And all the students, you know, every time we were meeting, like, oh, how do I do this? Is it better in the morning? Is it better in the evening? And, you know, what do I do it in my bed? Do I do it seated? Mm. And the teacher says, I don't care. Just do it. Mm. So it's really that, you know, it's kind of that willingness to, to, to tell ourselves, I'm going to be doing it no matter what. Mm. And if I do it, no matter what, and then I experiment the benefits, yeah. I will be motivated to continue to do it. Absolutely. I, I believe in that. <laughs> uh, okay. So, I mean, we have listeners here who usually are HR and learning development leaders in their companies. They are trying to create that culture of purpose, that culture of fulfillment, performance, well-being. So... What would be your final piece of advice for them, really? So something I've been talking already, but it's the vision, mm. right? Over-communicate the vision and the mission of the company mm. so that people feel engaged and connected to the vision. And therefore, they feel that what they are doing has a better, bigger contribution to the world. That's that's the best way to, you know, really engage people. Uh, and an engaged team is a performing team. Mm. Another element to that is core values. Core values uh, of the organization, for me, need to be expressed and embodied by the organization. And the more they are expressed and the more people can recognize themselves in the core values of the organization mm. and see that they are aligned with, their, with those core values, the more efficient uh, everything is going to work, right? Uh, each time there is a, 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 an issue in, in the company, it's because there is a, a misalignment of core values. Mm -hmm. So the more we can communicate on that and make sure that when we hire people, we hire people that are aligned with our core values and the mm -hmm. core values of the organization, the better. Um, and lastly, I would say create moments of connection rather than moments of execution only. Mm. So I've seen very successful companies who have, um, you know, half a day every quarter or sometimes every month where it's just about connecting and sharing as human uh, rather than, you know, uh, having a, a, a clear agenda and, uh, you know, going into execution mode. So creating those places and those experiences where people can really connect on a human being level also is going to make me, you know, the, the community, more, the, the organization more engaged. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just on this point about creating moments of connection, especially in the context that we are right now, right? People are still working from home mostly or remotely, you know, uh, some people in the office, some people away, whatever. People still are having to, to deal with each other through a screen most yeah. of the time. Um, and I guess a lot of people are tired. They actually don't want to have those moments. Yeah. 
you know, uh, they rather just actually that half an hour for con to connect. Actually, no, I'd much rather just do my own thing. <laughs> how, how do you counterbalance that? <laughs> I mean, do you have any 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 thoughts on that? Actually? Yeah, uh, I mean, I cannot deny that there is a Zoom fatigue for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, there are ways that you know we've suggested with clients we work with, and one of them was to have a daily huddle of ten minutes, mm. and then could be with groups of fifty or hundred people, but just yeah. kind of you know everybody coming on the screen and kind of saying hi and you know anything going on for you, anything you would like to share. So that's ten minutes at the beginning of the day so it it works it's feasible then you know also promoting other ways to connect i know for myself what i've experimented uh, throughout the last two years is that if i go for a walk and i'm on the phone speaking to someone it doesn't feel like i'm on a zoom call yes it definitely. feels like i'm connecting with a friend and I'm having a conversation. So all actually all the calls that I can do with not being on Zoom and face to face, I go for a walk and I and I you know I speak with my phone. Um that you know is an advice we've given to clients as well and it, people really appreciate that. It's almost like okay, who do I feel like like talking to today in my organization? Uh and you know I've seen people even kind of agreeing together okay let's go for a walk the two of us at five we don't we, we don't walk don't together walk yeah. but we're gonna be on the phone together what i also see now that you know people are coming back to the office it's reflection around okay with the people who want to still work from home uh, we are reducing the size of the office because some people will continue to work remotely what are the challenges that we are faced with when it comes to connection? And when is it that actually being together physically really matters? Yeah. And, and for instance, one of the examples that we looked at was when somebody joins a team. And, and it's true, right? When you join a team, it's kind of that, that physical uh, contact or presence is very important because you feel that you can speak with everyone freely, that you can kind yeah, of um, have these conversations that are not necessarily about work. Um, so I've seen some clients uh, being like, okay, if somebody joins a team, we bring the whole team together at the office for a week. And this is how they connect. And this is how that person is being onboarded. And the rest of the time, they can work from home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So everybody is kind of finding their own adjustments mm -hmm. by thinking about, you know, um, what is required for the whole team to work better together, given this environment that now offers much more possibilities. Mm -hmm. Very, very good. I think that's it. <laughs> Uh, I think that's that, that's it. I think you covered everything that we wanted. And uh, I mean, we could go even deeper on the subject, I'm sure. Of course. <laughs> we could spend a couple of hours here, I'm sure. But we don't have the studio as well for, for all afternoon. But uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Marika. Uh, it's a pleasure. And uh, for people who are interested in learning more about your work, how, how do they get in touch? Yeah, so um, you can go on our website, consciousleadership.org. Um, we have loads of, uh, you know, amazing resources there that are free. If you go on the website, the top banner, you will find our Refocus and Plan for Success Masterclass. That's a 60 minutes masterclass uh, that is completely free and that you can watch at any time whenever it suits you. Uh, that masterclass, you know, I really invite you to have a look. It will take you deeper into those concepts of leadership, understand where you are, what type of leader are you, and what's next for your growth. And also we'll give you some tools on how to, you know, be better at mastering your emotions. So consciousleadership.org. Awesome. Thank you very much, Marika. And uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, we have a lot more coming up as well in the next few weeks and months. So 
keep an eye out uh subscribe to this podcast share with your colleagues and uh, leave us a review if you like it uh and if you'd like to learn more about headspring as well please visit our website www.headspringexecutive.com we have a lot of resources on learning development hr talent development leadership everything you can possibly imagine so have a look at that uh for now i've been tiago kivi my guest is marika messenger and i hope you have a, a good afternoon or evening or morning whatever you are in this world bye 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 <laughs>